<laughs> Can we introduce Don Brewster to the stage? Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Don, it's so awesome to have you here. And it's impressed me over the last couple of days, this first time I got to meet you, just, just how sincere you are, how relatable you are. We were joking that this might be one of the only pairs of pants that you own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not used to wearing something without an elastic top. You know, basically gym shorts. Uh, <laughs> And God, God called you to a difficult and challenging calling that's bigger than all of us. But I, that's what we're going to talk about just to intro a little bit, is just how did you end up in Cambodia? And, and how did all that get started? Yeah. Well, it started with a missions trip. So beware. Uh, we went on a missions trip. And first, we were in the Philippines, which was awesome. We really enjoyed that. And then we ended up in Cambodia. And actually, we didn't enjoy that so much. It was a darker place. Um, we moved around a lot, so there wasn't much relational stuff going on. And, and when we got back on the plane, uh, we sat down in our seats, and my beautiful bride turned to me and said, thank God we never have to come here again. <laughs> so two things. God has a sense of humor. <laughs> but number two... It's a testimony to my wife's faith that when she was called to go to a place she never wanted to go again, she said yes. 15 years later. Yeah. And so, so uh, but when we, we were there, we didn't hear anything about the problem. And we came back to the States, and a couple weeks later, we saw this special Dateline special children for sale in Cambodia. And we looked, and it was the very places we had been, and no one told us there was a problem like this. And we thought, well, you know, we have three daughters, we have seven granddaughters, and if someone knew about them in trouble and didn't help, how would we feel? And so we thought, we need to see what we could do. So we took another team back to Cambodia with a bunch of experts, and we figured out what is the greatest need and was determined that aftercare was actually the greatest need. And we talked to many organizations, we talked to the government, and we were feeling pretty good about God's call until we met with our, the last organization, which was the largest one in Cambodia. And they, it was like they were interrogating us, right? They were asking about all these qualifications and expertise, and we had none. Uh, but uh, it, when it ended, he said to us, well, I tell you exactly what to do. You get back on the plane and go back to America. You never come back and you send a check and you let the big guys take care of this problem. And we thought, it, like, maybe we got this wrong, right? Maybe we aren't supposed to be going, but uh, God spoke to us again and he says, I have higher authority than that guy in Cambodia, so you can still go. <laughs> that's what's so beautiful is that that's what it feels like I think that we can when we're when we're stepping out in faith of what God might be leading us towards there is I think the resistance is kind of a signal that this is the way God wants us to go sometimes yeah and and it's never the way we thought it would be no. and, and so that but after after that that experience I'm sure it was pretty smooth after that well, there's a couple of bumps in the road. Uh, there was one almost immediately after we moved there. So we, we sell everything. We moved to Cambodia. 
And, but we were able to move. We had some donations, but we had the promise of a $250,000 gift. And so we moved, and we started hiring staff to open an aftercare facility. And everything was very exciting. And I got this email that said, I'm sorry we're not going to be able to fulfill the, the entire commitment. And that made me a little nervous. So we wrote back, like, well, how much? can you fulfill? And they said, uh, well, none. And we thought, you know, again, that kind of doubt entered, right? Like, what are we doing here? We don't have the money. Uh, Began to pray. And two days later, I get a call at 2 a.m. And, you know, I'm a little groggy. So he says, are you all right? And I say, yeah, I just woke up. It's 2 in the morning. And he goes, well, where are you? So I'm in Cambodia. He goes, you're already gone? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, listen, I was talking to my wife, and we're going to make a donation. Could somebody come to our office and pick up the check? It's (laughs) $250,000. And, you know, I think that that's the one thing that we learned as we hit those bumps in the road. When you're following Jesus, right, there's going to be setbacks. Right? Satan is going to be after you if you're actually trying to follow God. And so not to let the setback scare you, but to persevere in the strength of the Lord and miracles happen. That's the truth. And then, and like we said, 15 years later, you yeah. guys went through a lot of setback. I, I wish we could do this interview for hours to hear story. I'm sure there's, I feel like there's dozens of stories like yeah. this. But the, I, I think that you guys learned a lot mm-hmm. over the years and, and trying to really help systematically and holistically. So I, I've heard there's a model you use. Could you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Sure. You know, there's, um, it's important to attack this issue of trafficking in a holistic manner. And if it's not in a holistic manner, good things are done, right? So good things can be achieved, but it doesn't actually reduce the amount of trafficking. So, for example, we rescue girls, right? We have, a, we have our own SWAT team. Can you believe that? A Christian organization with a SWAT team? Pretty cool. And so we rescue girls. But if we rescue them and don't have a place for them to be restored, right, to come to, to be healed, we might as well not rescue them, right, because they're going to be worse off. They'll go back and they'll, they'll have worse hopelessness. Then once they're restored, they have to be reintegrated, And once they're reintegrated, they need two things. They need to stay connected to that unconditional love that they experienced in aftercare, and they need a good job, right? So you need to have a reintegration plan where you stay connected to the girls. And and then finally, prevention, right? There needs to be a prevention effort or you'll be doing good things, right? Rescuing and restoring and reintegrating, but you won't be reducing the problem. So we work to protect the vulnerable. We have schools that help protect them and jobs uh, and also reducing demand because if you don't reduce demand, people will find a way to fulfill that demand because of the money that's involved. That it just it feels so true when you look at it that way. And, and it's, it sounds simple when you put it in a, in a beautiful circle. <laughs> it's color-coded like this. Yeah. But, I, you know, I come, from a, I come from a Christian counseling background, and it strikes me how similar that is, that process to any process of recovery 
any process of growth that we go through. And, and it takes all those levels of awareness and those levels of, of uh, extreme action sometimes and then extreme and, and then proactive anticipation and what right. things we can do to prevent and keep that growth going. Mm -hmm. So that, that leads into the next piece too, is just what, what's next for AIM? What do you guys have on the horizon now? Well, our, our, one thing, we've been blessed with a great staff in Cambodia. We actually have almost 400 Cambodians on staff fighting trafficking. Um, and that's freeing us up to spend more time in the States. And our, our next move is to actually bring those lessons we've learned in Cambodia here to the States and begin initiating programs here to fight trafficking in America, specifically in Northern California. That's just beautiful. Because you guys, it's not over there, it's here. That's, yeah, that's what it's about. It's a, uh, it, it struck me as we kept talking about this, that it's a, it's a humanity problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's something that I think that we, um, that we all have to wrestle with in order to, to change culture, to change the things that contribute to this type of, of darkness. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, um, that's not easy. That's no. part of what we're, that's part of what we have to face with Christ. We wouldn't be able to without it. Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'm going to get off stage and let Don talk to you guys for a little bit. The, there's the oh, reminder is that afterwards we have some time. So you have some time to go through the, um, the lobby and everything and, and hang out with different partners. Kidsway will have your kids for about 10, 15 minutes extra. So you'll be free there. And the, there's also a magazine that we have in our app. So if you can pull up the app, if you're interested of all those different ministries and partners and things, you can view it in there. So that's all I have. And I'm going to leave it to you. All right. Thank you. And thank you guys. You know, there, we, you guys have supported the work in Cambodia for some time. And it's not every church that wants to hear about this, right? And so you can be proud to be part of a church that will listen to some of the tough stuff in order to make a difference in the world. And this morning, actually, I want to talk about universal needs, needs that every one of us on earth have. And sadly, when we rescue a girl, they get, they've had none of those needs. And so we start first, like, what are the needs? And it's interesting, in, in Matthew chapter 3, there's God the Father speaking about Jesus when he's baptized. And it, it says there that then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven had said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see, when in that last verse, we not only see... God speaking about his son, he's also revealing our universal needs. He says, this is my son. We all need a family to belong to. Right? We all need a place where no matter what, we're accepted. The next thing he says, whom I love. We all need unconditional love. We need a source of that. And then he finishes with, with whom I am well pleased. We all need a purpose to fulfill. 
And when those universal needs are met in our lives, really miracles can take place. Transformations can take place. But it's in, 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 in Christ, they're fulfilled, right? In other words, when we become Christ followers, we uh, have a family. We have the church, right? Um, we have love in that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we have a purpose, right? To love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul, mind and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. But it's not, it doesn't happen, it has to be experienced. In other words, if somebody walks into the church today, first time, they don't say, oh my goodness, my new family, I belong here, right? It happens one-on-one. One at a time as we build relationships. And when that relationship is formed, we experience belonging. And God gives us plenty of advice on how to build those relationships, right? There's, in the Bible, there's 41 and others, right? Uh, care for one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. And through that, when we do that and we build those relationships, then we find a place to belong a place that girls that we deal with have never experienced before. Now, when that need is met, the next step is unconditional love. We need to experience unconditional love. And the truth is, there's a lot of people who haven't experienced it yet, right? And these girls we're talking about, but more than that, in, uh, in the United States, in California, maybe someone in this service hasn't yet experienced unconditional love. And why is that? Why, why haven't we all experienced unconditional love? Well, Jesus gives us insight in John chapter 13, verse 34. There he says, a new command I give you, love one another. You think, well, that's not new. But he goes on to say, as I have loved you, you must love one another. Unconditional, sacrificial love. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, writes about, describes what that love looks like, right? And he writes there, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Think about that for a minute. If I have so much knowledge, I understand all of God's word perfectly. And if I have so much faith that God can do miracles through me, but I don't have love, God says I'm nothing. And Paul goes on to write, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You see, why hasn't everyone experienced unconditional love? It's difficult. To love that way is difficult. As a matter of fact, without Jesus, it's impossible. Right? 
in me, the amount of love I have when, I'm, when we're working with these girls, I run out of love about 9 a.m. I'm done, right? That's all the love I got. But if I stay connected to the Lord, right, if I stay connected to Jesus, he can love through me, right? And that's the key, right? Without him, there won't be that unconditional love that's so desperately needed by so many. But when we let him love through us, transformations take place. New lives uh, result. Now, when it comes to purpose, you know, we have this, the big purpose to love, right? But for some of our girls, it's a much smaller purpose that gets them started. And the purpose can be a job. It can be a job where they can, are safe, where they can earn enough money to support themselves and help support their families. And when they have that, things can begin to change for them too. And one of the young ladies that work in our employment center is named Polly. And we're going to share her video where she tells her story. เอ่อนิงខ្ញុំបានមកធ្វើការនៅ ពីមុនយើងជាមនុស្សដែរមិនល្អប៉ុន្តែយើងចូលមកទីនេះគឺពួកគាត់ទាំងអស់គ្នាស្វាគមន៍ហើយពួកគាត់សាលាញ់យើ
as followers of Christ, we're commanded to stand with the oppressed and fight injustice. The call is how and with whom. And sadly, there's many oppressed people in this world. Sadly, there's many injustices. But it's clear that that's what it is a command. If there's over a thousand verses in the Bible that deal with oppression and injustice. The prophets talk about it all the time. In Isaiah chapter 58, God says this. Is not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do uh, away with the yoke of oppression and with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and the night will become like noonday. That's pretty clear. And I think Jesus made it even clearer in Matthew 25 in the parable of the sheep and the goats. But... When we do that, you know, when we, when we stand with the oppressed and fight injustice, miracles can begin to happen. And another girl that has been part of our program is a girl named Bella. And she's going to share her story in a video where you can see how meeting the needs um, uh, of standing with the oppressed and fighting injustice can make a difference. My name is Bella, and I'm 21 years old. I was born in Phnom Penh. Yeah. And when I was young, one lady, she tricked me. Like, she, she said that, go there to her house. I just go to clean her house or prepare her clothes, something like that. Yeah, and then after she fed me like one or two months, she sell me. When I was 12 years old, been work like a traf trafficking they forced me to go to to uh, have sex with uh, guys and I always don't want to go and she she always hit, hits me yeah and and blame me I worked there about one month and I really hurt like 
I want to go away from the place, but I cannot go. She sent me there to uh, the house, yeah, and then have the guy come in. Like a day, maybe five. They pay like twenty dollar, and then like he do something bad to me. Yeah, I say no, and he cried, and he said, "Please let me go." She told me that if I escape from her place, she will do something to my family. I feel like I hopeless. I have nothing. No one care about me, and no one like think that I'm special. And in my future, I will think I will die one day. And if I still work like that. I will get dizzy and I will die. Nothing. And then, uh, like, have a uh, two foreigner. They they, they call me. My like two friends go to uh, the hotel, and they said they they want to have sex like that. Then, like that time, I feel like happy. I don't know why, but I feel uh, different. Yeah. Then we we went to the hotel. Yeah. And then we sit and we waiting. And then, uh, like have a uh, two foreigner guys, and they come and they talk with us and ask us about the life. And then we told them, and he, he, they ask. Me and my friend, that do you want to leave the place that you stayed? We said yes, we want. And then after that, the police come and we save us. And then uh, I went to uh, Agape, yeah. So I come to live there about four years, and they give me a lot of uh, opportunity. Yeah, they love me a lot, and they show me they are. Come to pack in my bag. They, they give, they let me go to school, education, like do what I want to do in the future. They always give me advice, and they always encourage me. Yeah, that I'm special. Like especially Don, he always said I'm special. But before I cannot get it because I think I'm not special. But he always said, and right now I know I'm special. I I think God will use me to help other girls, like they have been trafficking, and I know that's hurt, and I know they don't want. And so I know that God used me to save them, and to tell them that just God. Can help them and love them, and uh, told them that they are special. And they, uh, if they become uh, in Jesus, 
they will save and they will have more love. My allergies are killing me. <laughs> the, uh, there's a couple of things about that video you should know. First, she mentions me, right? So why does she mention me? The truth is, I was the first man that treated her like a daughter. That was it. And the truth is, guys, we're the problem, right? We're the problem. If men weren't willing to purchase little girls and women, sex trafficking is end. So what we could, you know, a quick way to end sex trafficking is execute all men. <laughs> Personally, I'm not for that. But we have a responsibility, men, and there's not enough men in this fight. There's not enough men who show what a, what a godly man, how he treats women and children. And one way you can have an impact immediately is stop using porn. <laughs> porn not only hurts you and your family, it hurts little kids in Cambodia where they make a lot of the porn that you watch. So, we can start today, men, without leaving home, have an impact by talking about this truth and encouraging others to stop. Now, the other thing that's interesting is, like, I told her she was special a bunch of times, but she didn't believe it. Why is it that I kept telling her she was special and she doesn't believe that truth? No one believes they're special until they start being treated special, until they experience unconditional love. That's when it happens. That's when transformation takes place. And that takes place through such women as my bride, Bridget, who was a conduit of God's love to Bella. Bridget, stand up and wave at everybody so they can see who you are. <laughs> But that wasn't the end of Bella's story either. You see, Bella graduated our program, and she, she's a strong believer, as you could see, and she wanted to go through a discipleship program in Malaysia. And so on her own, she earned the money to go to Malaysia for three months for a discipleship program. And she came back on fire. She came to work for us, and today, Bella goes into brothels. Consider the courage. She goes into brothels and helps young women find their way to a new life in Christ. Uh, she's also married to a youth pastor, and they have a beautiful young daughter. But you see, there's something that happens, right? When, when we take up that purpose to stand with the oppressed, and fight injustice. And I'm originally from the East Coast, so I'm gonna use a little East Coast phraseology here. Something wicked cool happens. <laughs> and what is it that happens when we, when we meet that need, right? 
when we fulfill our purpose to stand with the oppressed and fight injustice, not only do we fulfill the universal needs of others, they in turn do it, just like Bella, just like Polly. And if we, as, a, as, as Christians, will take up that command to stand with the oppressed and fight injustice, amazing transformation can take place, not just in a single girl's life or not just in a community or just, it can happen in a country, it can happen worldwide. That same thing we've seen in their lives. And here's the truth. We would like every single one of you to partner with AIM in standing with the oppressed and fighting injustice. But there's lots of organizations, good ones, that stand with the oppressed and fight injustice. There's lots of injustices, sadly. There's lots of oppression, right? And even when it comes to sex trafficking, we are one of several good organizations to do it. So my prayer for us, my prayer for us, is that we will accept that purpose, that we will stand with the oppressed and fight injustice in whatever way God calls us as individuals to do it. And if we can, if the church can begin a movement of transformation that can have a global impact, if we will just together and individually stand with the oppressed and fight injustice. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We're so grateful for your love and how we've gotten to experience it through the people you've brought into our lives. We have, you have given us a place to belong. You have given us unconditional love and you have given us a purpose. And Lord, help us, each one of us, to see clearly how we would respond to our uh, call, our, the command to stand with the oppressed and fight injustice how our calls may be different, but show us where they are and don't let us become discouraged, Father, as we step forward into maybe new areas and new adventures. Let us put our confidence in you and trust you that no matter what obstacles we might face, that Satan might throw our way, that we can persevere through them through the power of your Spirit. Lord, I thank you for each person here. I pray you would pour out your blessings upon them. And we ask this with confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. You're dismissed, but make sure you stop at the booths out back on your way out. Thank you.